It's bright and early on Monday morning, everyone, and I appreciate you tuning in to Kafaru Cast. I've got my longtime friend and uh, a guy that actually makes me have to ride in the back of the car because he is taller than me, Greg Poole. What's <laughs> yeah. up, Greg? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on, brother? Just uh, just another Monday morning, you know, trying to catch up from the weekend. Just the typical, the typical thing, man. What's good with you? Mm, I just got back from Wisconsin, from uh, the land of the cheese curd, where I uh, I did I was the speaker at their uh, the traditional archers uh, bow hunting banquet, whatever they call it. So that was cool. And you've been a busy man. You've been well. You just got back from Vegas, right? Yeah, the the Vegas shoot, which is the pretty much the archery world Super Bowl, was uh, last weekend at the South Point Casino in Vegas. Had almost four thousand archers. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a good event. It, it, that event is not slowing down. Um, I think they paid out almost half a million dollars over the whole event. And that, that half a million dollars does not include manufacturers contingency. So if you want to fake the funk and say, you know, oh, we paid out X amount. Well, contingency is not necessarily paid out if that shooter doesn't win. So, but the Vegas shoot is legitimately paying out almost half a million dollars. Uh, they, do scholarships people from like 50 different countries come it's a we fill up the entire thing yeah oh it's a it's impressive i um i guess the big question is especially since i'm going to have him on the podcast tomorrow will levi ever win the vegas shoot without three d's there (laughs) well that's a conundrum uh uh yes levi will win but not until he gets out of his own way and stays in his lane. Yeah. And basically for those wondering, like, how could you say that about the goat of 3d archery? Well, simple. I said it with my mouth and basically what ends up happening is for Levi, he shoots 70 to 72 pounds for 3d and outdoors. He's used to that holding weight. He's used to that amount of tension in the system then when he starts to shoot indoors he tends to you know get caught up in what everybody else is doing and he ends up building a 60 pound bow and then that changes the let off changes the entire feel of the bow and then you know he just tries doing what other indoor archers do like this particular time he changed to a big black dot and it worked great at home but then he got to Vegas and that didn't work out. So yes, Levi will win when Levi just shows up and does Levi. And it's no different than, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, just so for people tuning in, because we have a lot of guys that may have heard of Vegas. Vegas, and this is not me speaking from personal experience, going to Vegas over and over and over. The Vegas face for me, one, sucks. Two, the pressure, how many people are there. And now um, you have, uh, what, 30 people cleaning it now, shooting 900s, 25? Uh, yeah. To- well, we had 23 in just the championship open, which for those wondering, championship open is not a male or female class. You pay your $500. Yes, it's $500 to shoot it. However, if you win – one of your checks is $54,000 and then there's you'll generally walk out with about a hundred grand, but anyone can shoot that class, male, female, doesn't matter. Um, 
however you identify, you can come shoot the championship open. Uh, so there was 23 in the championship open, and then Paige Pierce, longtime left coaster, uh, she shot a 900 in the championship women's, so that's 24. And then uh, a young man named Cole Frederick, who I did a podcast with yesterday, shot a 900 in the young adult. Um, also, Brady Ellison shot a 900 in Reeker. Which, so, by the way, that will never – I'm just going to stamp it in. That is never going to happen again. What he did – is literally to like trapping a unicorn. I was not enamored by, I hate to say this because it is amazing to clean it with 900 and have, you know, 20 some guys, but what he did will truly, I don't think, ever be done again. What do you think? Uh, I think it will. Um, I think it's similar to, you know, because Mary Zorn shot a 900 in the women's several years, many, many years ago. And then Sarah Lance did it. A few, you know, several years later, but it, like you said, it was more of an anomaly. I just don't well, think it'll be done in now, Vegas again. Is I guess what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, <laughs> fucking crazy, dude. I, I think it will. I think it's one of those glass ceiling issues, Aaron, where nobody assumed it could be done because they just let it be out of reach. Uh, just like with the women doing it now, there's six or seven women have shot perfect 900 last year. There had never been a championship senior 900 before until last year. And then Keith Trail Keith did Trail, it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things where once someone does it, then everybody else goes, oh, well, I guess we can do that. And really what it is, Aaron, is it's the, it's the, uh, it's the entrenched band-aid of, of accepted failure. Like, we don't have to shoot clean to win, so why shoot clean? And that's what it is. If you're in the championship open class, if you don't shoot clean, you you basically should just you're done. That's it. There that's just what it's become. In the championship women, it's getting there. Sarah Lopez, the very nice uh young lady from Korea, Paige, you know, they're it's getting to the point now where you pretty much are gonna have to shoot a nine hundred every year in the women's championship to win. Young adult has been that way several times. And so now that Brady did it, and it's a little different when Sarah or Paige or Keith Trail or any of these other folks do it in compound, nobody looks at their rig for the most part. They go, oh, that bow did it with those arrows. That's cool. However, when a recurver does it, and you'll be able to relate to this probably way more than me in the trad community, is when that happens in Vegas, every single person who shoots that kind of, kind of bow wants to know more details about the plunger and the stem and what tip and how much pr- plunger tension did they have and what sort of this. And because all of those things make a huge difference. Well, what size arrows was it? Well, Brady wasn't shooting X10s. He was shooting 25s. So in that world, similar to you in the trad, when you do something, that entire community wants to know more about it than normal because it matters more than normal. It's funny you bring that up. A little bit off the subject, but the same, my presentation that I did at the banquet was about getting newcomers into traditional archery, not to go down that rabbit hole already. But my main thing <laughs> was is just because 
it, whether you're a spiritual person or not, someone, you know, that very nice gentleman before I spoke got up and talked about how many, and I am, I'm not overly spiritual person, by the way, if anybody's wondering, um, how, how many times the, the bow and arrow was, was brought up in the Bible, right? So he did right. his presentation and I did mine and made me think about it. So I threw it in last minute. I shouldn't say that I threw it in last minute because I didn't say exactly this, but if God created all men equal out of the womb, we're equal. After that, it's hard work and discipline. Well, if someone, right. you can't, if someone says I can only shoot 15 or 20 yards, just to, I'm not talking about an animal. I don't want to hear any ethical bullshit. I'm just saying ability to hit a circle. <laughs> okay. Right. That does not mean it can't be done. Like just because someone sucks shooting 15 to 20 yards, there's, you know, maybe they don't have the ability, maybe they have some mind problems doesn't mean someone can't shoot softballs at 40 all day long. Like the the, right. the double Johns, Dimmer and Dillinger, and the other guys as well, I mean, they're doing some pretty amazing stuff with the single string barebow. Then you talk about Brady breaking the glass ceiling, just shot a 900. And, and it's not just a 900. What was amazing to me is a 900 in Vegas, like the most pressure. Right. You know, the thing is, is, is maybe you're right. Maybe since – you know, for years, right, with on my sw- side of things, you know, the, the, the swing shooting and the, the lack of form, you know, a lot of guys now obviously are listening to like Tom Clum and Rod Jennings, that, that barrier of 20 and in is being broken. And again, I don't want to hear any shit from anyone on emails about it's not ethical. I would not want me shooting at me at 40 yards if I was sleeping. Okay, it's not going to get out of the way, and I can shoot very good at 40. Then you take somebody like Brady, shot the 900. There's between 20 and 30 guys cleaning Vegas now, 300s every day. Is that about right? What is it, 27 last year? Yeah, 27, the championship open. So so anywhere right now, you're going to be in between 20 to 30 total. So you miss a quarter, you go home. Basically, you're not winning shit. It, how depressing is that? Right. Like for people not that are listening in, why don't you explain the Vegas face? How big is the ten? So the ten is about the size of a dime, and the excuse me, the X is about the size of a dime. The ten is just a little bit, just about the size of a silver do- uh, silver dollar or a fifty cent piece, I should say. It's not very big, and so. Basically, what happens is is you have 5,000 internet experts. You have 5,000 Levi Morgans at home, including Levi Morgan, who are shooting 30x. 30x is a 300 with 30x's. That's the best you can shoot every day at home. I've been there. I've done that. I've actually shot a 28x in Vegas, but you have all these people at home doing it, and then they show up to Vegas, and everybody gets acclimated. And then I swear to God, Aaron, when they say first, first end for score, you can audibly hear 2,000 butt cheeks slap together. <laughs> like, like Done already. you can hear it. It's, it's like they're clapping. It's, it happens. The air goes out of the room. And all of a sudden, every single person in the room thinks they're the only person in the room and that everybody in the universe is watching them. The, the greats, the Levi's, the Jesse's, the Chance Bobess, they know, first of all, that's not true, not yet. And that second of all, like they've always said, if, if you've heard any of my Junkie interviews, they say you can't win it on the first day. You can only lose it 
on the first day. And so that should be a t-shirt, by the way, that is very true. <laughs> right. And so, well, I mean, it's no different than you, whether you're, you know, trying to creep in on a Wolverine at eight feet or whatever, like you can't screw up the hunt until you start the hunt and that's it. And so, you know, when they say first end for score, you know, it's just one of those things where the whole dynamic changes, form changes, everything changes. That's just the nature of the beast. And that's why a lot of people do it. I mean, speaking of, and we're no Aaron, we are not going down this particular rabbit hole right now, <laughs> but Greg, Greg Ritt from Huntmasters came and shot the Vegas shoot with recurve, excuse me, crossbow. The C word. Yes. He literally showed, I mean, I did a podcast with him and you know, I, you know me, I talk, I talk shit relentlessly. Like it's a second language and depending on how bad I'm stuttering, sometimes it's the first language. But, um, so I was talking mad trash to Greg and I'm like, well, why don't you, why don't you gather up your little crossbow there, buddy, and come on out to Vegas and shoot the crossbow. And he did it literally showed up. One of the biggest names in the hunting industry showed up cold Turkey and his very first tournament ever was in Vegas with a crossbow. And I was impressed, man. He finished, you know, he shot 294s, 295s right in the middle of the pack. No one's ever shot a 300, but literally, and you have to figure, Aaron, this is the kind of guy that when you talk to him about management bucks, he's talking 170s, 180s. He's, this dude's hunting the cream of the crop. And he literally said he's never felt anything like he did when they said first end for score. He's like, he's like, I was instantly sweating. My heart rate was jacked up. My breathing wasn't right. And it's like, I totally forgot everything I knew how to do. I'm like, oh, sounds like when you're uh, trying to kill a big buck. And so that is, that is the other aspect of this is whether it's a crossbow, a trad bow, whatever it may be tournaments are going to make you a better shot. And when you're a better shot, you're a better hunter. Period. That's just the way it works. And I, I, uh, just cause I've posted some high scores again, the, uh, the indoor, uh, pro shop warrior, right? I, I posted some high scores with the, the hunting bow and guys are like, you should go to Vegas. And I'm like, I'll probably choke. Uh, I don't want to go to Vegas. I hate being that close to anyone. Uh, li that's like literally being an Asia and having close talkers all around you. You're close to the guy right. in front of you and guy behind you. And not not saying I'll, I'll choke, but it's just, it's not my, my thing, but the amount of right. pressure in a tournament and the amount of pressure at an animal, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, the same, one of the things like I, I show Amy, um, when people are shooting under pressures, the left hand, the bow hand, you know, if you're right-handed, starts to white knuckle. Right. It might grip a little more. They're pressing their nose into the string a little bit more because they're not maybe not centering their peep now. There's all kinds of little telltale signs that, right. that happen, you know, ripping off the release, wh whatever. All the same shit happens when an animal's in front of you. Your target is much yep. bigger at an animal, <laughs> you, you, right. you know, but the same same crap, right, same, same thing. And so the the amount of people um you know cleaning that with 900s is is pretty amazing considering again i said a quarter silver dollar somewhere between a quarter and a silver dollar uh right they're hitting that 9 they're shooting 
basically they're hitting that each each round is 300 points and it's 10 yep. points per shot so 30 points per yep. end they're not missing something the size of a little bit bigger than a quarter a little smaller than a 50 cent piece that's pretty Correct. freaking amazing they're, yeah and the, they're hitting it 90 times in a row and your guys who are up there are hitting the x which is a dime generally about 85 out of 90 times yeah, usually you're looking at twenty, uh, you know, three hundred with twenty eight X's is I would say probably twenty seven, twenty eight X's is average for the top guys. That is pretty freaking crazy. It, it dude, it totally is. You know, back to to Levi. That's that's one of the things where Levi has kind of gotten in his own way, where he has changed up his rig, and he's not done what Levi does. He shows up with a different rig, and it throws them into a little bit of flux. When Levi when Levi has done his best is when Levi's like, which 3D bow am I bringing? This one's prettier, I'm bringing it. And he comes and he shoots 72 pounds. He has no problem with it. He shoots his little 19,000s green up pin. And that is when Levi Morgan is the most dangerous. And so do I think Levi's going to win Vegas? Absolutely. He's too good. He's too good not to. And once he gets his mind, and you are welcome to ask him about this tomorrow, but once he gets his mind in the right spot and he just starts doing Levi, that's when that's going to happen. Yeah. While we're talking about guys and, and shooting, I have to say Gillingham and all the poor people in that class swapping subjects, he won some shoots by, what, 30 points this year? Um, out, outdoor shoots, yes. 3D. Him, uh, Tim, yeah, 3D events, known, known events like the OPA. I mean, he actually shot zeros on his last target and still won by double digits. I showed that on, uh, to Amy on YouTube, actually. He, uh, <laughs> I, he, I, he hit his trigger on a turkey or something and just yeah on the shoot down. And I'm like, and what's crazy, he's still going to win by 28 points with a zero. Right. Well, and that's why, well, I mean, and that's the interesting part of this, Aaron, is that that generally – happens when a new elite level archer transitions into the senior division um when kendall woody first stepped in he was winning the outdoor stuff when roger willett stepped in tony taza so a lot of these guys it's just it's like it's it's like anything else it is a total cycle and yes tim gillingham is a very very talented archer and he is the newest talented archer to step into the senior division and he is going to have he's going to have a lot of success there. Now, with that being said, ain't nobody really winning indoor events right now in the senior division but Keith Trail. Keith has Keith has that indoor game on lockdown. He's been doing this for a hundred years. And I mean he uh, you know, I just did a podcast with him the other day. His back issues are are medicated and under control. I can remember ten years ago or so he was shooting 900s in the championship open and having to lay down on the floor between ends because he couldn't even walk down to pull his arrows because his back was in such bad shape. So um, the senior division is getting more and more talented. Um, and, you know, it's just a matter, you know, it's just a matter of, of anything else. As the, as the newer guys step up into the 50-year-old division, it's going to get tougher and tougher, and that's what we're seeing right now. And I think I talked to Tim about it a little bit. His deal is he's always said shooting a hinge style, a back tension style release 
only works when you're young. As you get older and you can't hold steady, a puncher is going to be more effective, which is what he's – that's what he's saying right now is he's he's able to punch. He can't hold as steady because he's getting older, but neither the other guys can either. And so that puncher is helping him, you know, quite a bit. I don't know if that'll – I mean, I've seen Tim, you know, ginch like total – exorcist shit and still nail a 14 and you're like huh that's not that's not normal i mean it's crazy no it's not you know he he he's definitely you know one of those guys you get in an argument and then somebody will say well tim gillingham and i'm like yeah but you're not fucking tim gillingham tim gillingham is only 10 you know mccarthy's only mccarthy you can emulate him but that may be all you're doing because there's something special in each one of those guys and if you're trying to talk this is going down another rabbit hole, like you were talking with Levi. If you're trying to emulate someone, but that style is not conducive to the way your brain, your body, your style works, you can't copy what they're doing and expect the same result. If you don't shoot a thumb button well, but your favorite shooter does, well, just forget that part of what they do and do something else. Because you can't remember Tom Crow. Shooting like eighty oh, yeah. pounds with a draw length two inches way too long and a wrist and a puncher. Right. Well, yep. he he won, but then I hear guys like, well, that's or Cameron. Cameron's got too long of a dry. Wraps his thumb around the back of his neck. Not a style I would ever teach someone. It works for Cam. I mean, he shoots well, yep. um, but that doesn't mean that you should do it. Maybe it will work for you, and and obviously Cam's successful, but. You really don't want to base it off the statistical anomaly, what you're going to do. You might want to start with, like, the standard average, you know, stand, uh, whatever status quo and go from there. Right. Well, and, and that's exactly right. Is not First of all, there is no one-size-fits-all. I don't care whether we're talking about a hat for me or whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. There is no one-size-fits-all. And, you know, I've been dealing with this for a long, long time since I kind of did the whole stabilizer thing. You know, I would have guys message me and say, I set up my stabilizers on my, on my Hoyt bow exactly the way Jesse does. And it holds like shit. Well, you're not Jesse. So what's the problem? Uh, you know, and the, the analogy that I use is, uh, you know, Reggie Miller or Larry Bird, you know, some of these NBA stars whose jump shots looked horrible. They didn't look good, but they went in the hole. So are you going to change their form or are you just going to let the ball go in the basket and shut your mouth? Um, Which, by the way, this may sound racist, but it's racist towards white people. Larry Bird's jump shot just screamed white dude. There was nothing cool about it. It was horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was 6'9", and I think he probably dunked twice in his whole (laughs) life. I I get it. But he had the double hand three point. You're like, huh, that's not what a jump shot looks like. Yeah, and it always went in, and he could probably barely jump over a rolled newspaper. You are absolutely, you are absolutely right. And so, you know, but but that's that's the whole point is when you look at someone like Levi or well, perfect example. Levi is actually looking at guys like Jesse Broadwater and Chance Bobeth going, well, apparently that's how you win indoors. Well, no, that's how they win indoors. And this year in, in Vegas, it was a you know hard lesson for Levi to understand, yes, he got the 900. I was super proud of him. It was a struggle, especially the first day. But by the time he came to the 900, his confidence that he had built up before the shoot was gone. And so hopefully now Levi's at the 
point where he's just like, Hey man, I'm going to do Levi, you know, and it's no different than your and my conversations when you're like, Hey Greg, I'm going, going hunting, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, don't invite me, bro. You, this, the, the shit you do is not the shit I do. Yeah. It's and just different. Know your role. Yeah. Know your role. And that's cool. Will we ever go hunting someday together? Maybe, but it's not going to be on one of your hardcore freaking. No, I'm not into that. It's not my thing. And so now that Levi, uh, hopefully is in that mental spot, it's going to be pretty dangerous, but that's something that, you know, a lot of people do. There's, I mean, how many times do you have people message you going, I want to throw a 7,000 cubic foot pack on my back and go scale a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a mountain and flip flops and hunt with a spork and live on the side of the thing with Billy goats. Well, you'll probably die. Don't, don't, don't do that. Just because Aaron did it doesn't mean you should do it. And that's part of the, that's part of the double edged sword of not just the athletic side, but what you do as well. Um, like you said, use it as motivation, use it as, you know, an opportunity to break your own glass ceiling. But, you know, you mentioned cam cam shoots really well. Should cam change his form? Hell no. It works for him. That's all that matters. Yep. And that's what I tell guys like, Hey, it it works for him. And on the slight chance you will be more accurate the way he shoots. And I'm going to say run with it more than most likely the form that's going to work for that person talking to me isn't going to be wrapping your thumb around the back of your neck. It might be, but you don't want to emulate that portion. Emulate the running and the hard work and all that other shit. Don't emulate the thumb behind the neck because that, you know, (laughs) you start off on a clean slate and if you end up there, great. You know, he's he's not an average, you know, human either. So it's like, and and he shot so long that way, he's adapted to it. Uh, You know what I mean? And and he's not very tall, so he didn't have a great draw length. I would assume that's why he started that way or got that way was to get a little extra draw length out of it, and that was consistent for him. Yeah, I don't, dude, I don't know. He, he's been doing that for decades, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, back in the old spot hog days, maybe him and Cave Johnson were hanging out together, and they're you know not the most vertically enhanced humans. I don't know what the deal is. Between the but two of them, they're about six foot. <laughs> right. Remember, Cade's so, stabilizer used to be as tall as him. Like, uh, when he put it on the ground, his riser would be at his nipples. He had, like, a 38-inch custom dude, stabilizer. Yeah, it was 40. I made it. Yeah, it was a 40-inch <laughs> It was a forty inch stabilizer because, you know, look, with Cade, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So when you explain how momentum and calculating moments of inertia and all that works, the longer the lever arm, the better. So Cabe's like, well, if 30 is good, 40 is better. And I was like, well, all right, man, that's whatever works for you. But yeah, dude, I mean, that's really what it boils down to is people tend to get wrapped up in exactly what someone's doing and trying to emulate it rather than trying to adapt it to themselves. And that causes probably more problems than anything. No, for sure. And, you know, and as I make fun of, well, Cabe and Cam's height, then you look at, I mean, he obviously is a running fool, right? So right. he he has that uh, ability to go into the numb area where he can take more pain. He can, there's just things he can do that other people can't. But if you're right. six foot two with a 29 and a half or 30 inch draw, 
You don't need to wrap your thumb behind your neck to squeeze out an extra half inch or three quarter of draw length. You've already got it. And that's what I'm trying to say right. is, you know, like me hunching over with a recurve, a lot of guys do that. Just because I do it and figured out how, that is definitely not good form. That's not, <laughs> it may work for me. Right. But that's not where you're going to want to start out, probably. You may, you probably want to start out vertical, like, you know, Brady and right. all the great archers. And, and, you know, I'm hunched over. That's just so I can look over the arrow. But you don't want to start at that point. You might finish there, but start off right. textbook and then you'll find your own path after that. No question. And starting off is, the biggest thing i mean dude when i started shooting a bow some old friends down in Klamath falls gave me a 145 pound oregon wind walker with 24 19s and i was shooting it with my fingers so make a man and we're gonna yeah right if if you want to talk about a starting point that's probably not the greatest starting point in the world either but where we start is not always where we end and it's just about you know processing the information and you know, I look at a lot of stuff that, that you do in particular, and I just got to decipher how much of that I'm man enough to actually do and how much of that I just need to give you the golf clap and scroll on. And it's just what it is. Yeah, I was just going to say that the golf clap and scroll on thing is, is a good way to put it because there is some things that I'm never going to run. I don't want to run. I don't even right. like, I don't like running. Um, <laughs> but I'll find a different way to stay. You know, I do backpack cardio. I do the rower. I do whatever. And which we're really going down a rabbit hole now. But if when, when guys are asking me certain, you know, things for, for help, whether it be shooting, arrow setups, and the one thing that I don't get irritated, I just try to explain when they say, hey, you know, I, I get it, right? You want to, the guys that are successful, take what they're doing and kind of twist and turn from there and tweak. Bow setups and an arrow setup are totally different because that is a, not a, a God dimension or a, or a, you know, your foundation, but realistically, if a guy's successful with a 500 grain arrow or whatever, you can kind of copy that. I mean, it's going to be good, right. but other parts of that are not so tried and true and can be torqued and tweaked. Meaning, you know, one guy may be a little overweight and he's going to have to focus on stocking and physical fitness. Another guy, he he may not be the best uh, judge of animal behavior. He needs to be more fit because he's scaring the shit out of everything because he'll eventually kill one. There's all these different things, right. and there's some things you can copy, emulate, and there's other things. A release is not an arrow setup. I'd say copying someone's arrow setup is very feasible and nothing wrong with that. Copying the release they use is a total different aspect of it because the arrow's going through the animal, with the release, your brain is in the way. The arrow does has nothing to do with your brain. The release totally has to do with how your brain and your mentality works, and that's something you probably don't want to copy from someone. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, there's no question. And what you're talking about there is basically ballistics. It's totally okay. Like if you look at Cam or or you or or Levi or anyone, and you're like, I like that ballistic arrow build. You can absolutely build a anything to match someone else's ballistics no question you can raise and lower your poundage to get a certain arrow to, sh- to shoot a certain speed for a certain amount of kinetic energy absolutely no question but once you start getting into the form and the release and the shot execution like you said that's where that you know that's where that gets a little bit more uh, a, a lot more complicated and i think people just need to focus more on their own strengths rather than you know, 
trying to copy what someone else is doing. They can use it as motivation, but you know, it's like, Cam, I'll put it this way. Anyone out there listening, try running down the street with your phone and actually record any sort of a video of yourself that is not going to make everybody sick. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or make so you look retarded breathing hard in my case. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dude, I, I'm not running. I'm, I'm either running at something or from something. I am, uh, other than that, I'm just, I'm not going to go down without a fight, but no, man, I mean, that's, that's really what it boils down to. And, you know, as far as the tournaments go, and I know a lot of people get, you know, a little bit salty about it, but no, it's not a hundred percent the same, but there is no better way to learn how to deal with nerves than there is in a big tournament. And it's not a mama grizzly bear charging you type nerves. It's not a 200 inch. However, does your body really know the difference? And that's the question I would ask you, Aaron, is because no, you, your you body, have shot enough tournaments to know. Your body doesn't know. And I've gotten an argument with guys and I'm like, well, look, I'm t-. now I've never shot on a national level on a podium, but I've shot for, you know, money and, and I've sh- enough to say, okay, it would only get worse at a national level. So I can base it off <laughs> of that. Right. That, Right. What happens, it's a, it's adrenaline, um, or I always chalk it up to adrenaline. You can't control adrenaline. Adrenaline's what saves your life or, or someone else's. If a car falls on me, Greg's already strong as shit, but he's going to go to another level to pick up that car to right. get my ass out from under it. That's adrenaline. Well, the reason why, who's the dude that just won uh, Vegas and was on beta blockers? Uh, who was that? The kid, oh, skinny Bob. kid. Yeah, Bob. Bob. Yeah, do we not want to talk about that? Well, I, I mean, we, I don't care if we talk about it or not. It, was, it, it wasn't so much beta blockers per se as it was. He didn't get a therapeutic use exemption for something. But basically, yeah, it was the same thing. And his name was Bob. He's been around the sport for a long, long time. And he'll probably be back. So, but on that note, and, and I'm not going to use him for an example because I don't know enough about that. But there are things you can right. take to calm you down. In my case... I would probably take Percocet because even my little dog hangs out with me when I'm on Percocet because <laughs> I'm just a different person, right? And right. if you can't calm yourself and, and people have different coaching methods and whatever, which I think a lot of that stuff's kind of a crock of shit and, and a bit of voodoo witchcraft, I, I you can help control the pressure to a certain degree, but the times that you're there is what helps control it. Meaning I'm desensitized. Grizzlies charge me. I don't get too worried about it. I've already been there. The first time I about right. shit my pants after the first time. Right. It's a lot calmer, right? It's like talk to a dude in the SF that's been in seven helicopter crashes. I guarantee the seventh was a hell of a lot different than the first. I mean, he, he knew right. what to expect. So tournament wise, the more tournaments you're at over and over and over, you're able to control that you're desensitized. It, this is my yep. opinion. The more animals you shoot, you become more desensitized to where the adrenaline is more controllable or whatever. Um, and so I think I would say it's exactly the same thing because you could take someone that could shoot spot for spot beside McCarthy and Dudley in practice. And there's probably guys that can, but that haven't, maybe they didn't have the money to go to tournaments, never wanted to. You can make up a hundred different things. Levi and McCarthy are going to crush them because they have been around the world, had a couple drinks, and seen way more things, and they're desensitized, and they know how to control that. 
Same with hunting. Correct. You meet a guy that's pulled the trigger on animals way more than another, he's going to handle it better because he's put way more an- arrows through way more animals. He knows how to control himself. I don't know if I made any yeah. sense of that at all. No, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. It's just familiarization with the situation and knowing, okay, in this situation, what's my heart going to do? What's that going to cause this to do? What's that going to cause that to do? Going back to Brady Ellison, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, shooting for a 900 on the Vegas floor is neat. Yes, that's cool. Yeah, that's some pressure. I promise you, shooting on the floor in Vegas for a 900 isn't jack shit compared to shooting in the Olympics. Yeah, that's a good example. That's just it. So, I mean, that's just it. I mean, I remember talking to him after 2012, and him and Jake Kaminsky were like, ha, pressure? Ha, talk about pressure. Are we talking about pressure? I mean, like, literally, they were like, there will be no pressure ever in the rest of our lives that will equal shooting on the Olympic stage. And I was like, well, I can, I can subscribe to that theory. So was Brady, you know, nervous and excited up there for that 900? Oh, I'm sure he was. Was he more nervous or scared than shooting in the Olympics? Absolutely not. First of all, he had a 15-point lead. He literally could have shot a zero on his last target and still won. So he was not shooting just for the victory. He was shooting for the accomplishment. And once again, when you're at the Olympic-style level and you've been in those situations, whether you're you know, Hussein Bolt or any of these other Olympic athletes, at some point it's about the achievement, not just the victory. And that's where Brady was. And he, he absolutely did, did the thing. And that's just not something that a lot of people can – wrap their minds around, especially in, in our industry. I mean, in the tournament world, everyone's like, well, I shoot the same bow as Levi, the same sight, the same rest, the same everything as Levi. And they damn near expect to, sh- to have a better result simply because they do that. In the hunting side, how many times do we do, you know, what's Cam Haynes's latest thing? Uh, hashtag must be nice. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, they see Aaron Snyder go to Kodiak Island and chase down a freaking whatever at sh- shoot it at you know seven and a half inches with his trad bow and take a selfie before it dies. Oh, must be nice. Well, actually, no. A lot went into that. It's not as easy as you think. It's not. It, it you're not relating to something like that. Now, when Aaron Snyder goes down to Alabama and sits in a tree stand and slams does and shoots a couple bucks out of a tree stand, freezes his ass off all day, okay, you can relate to that. I can relate to that. But that's, that's the disconnect we have where everybody thinks just because they, they connect with and relate to Aaron Snyder in a whitetail tree stand means that they're going to relate to you on Kodiak Island. And the reality of the situation is, no, we're not. No, we're not. It's just, it's different. And I think that, um, with the, like the setups and the systems and, and I, I mean, I'll use photography. I mean, I copy photographers, the ones that are better than me than I know of. I'm like, hell, he's shooting that camera. It seems to be working pretty good for him. Uh, yeah, I'll take two of those. Thank you. Drive through. And then I'll figure out the camera. Obviously it's a good camera and I'll figure it out and whatever, you know, do my thing. And 
the right. the the thing with with hunting obviously is I've gotten at a level where you know I'm not going to be swayed too much because I, I get to hunt so much and I've got enough experience where what works for me is what works for me and so I'm not you know me hunching over yeah I mean Jesus could come down and tell me to stand straight up and I'd probably be like yeah I don't know about that this is uh working pretty right. good for me I'm not going to change right and 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 that's the point you want to get to. It just takes a while to get to that point where you're confident enough in in what you're doing to where if something may be a little bit different or whatever, it's gonna it's gonna work for you. And man, there's so many different on tournaments and hunting, so many different things that I think people overlook. When you t- you brought up like the cam thing and the must be nice or whatever, you know, who whoever it is, I don't think people realize or some don't the amount of effort it takes to get to you know, that, that, that point. And, and let's face it, I don't know very many tournament archers that are inherently wealthy and were just raised loaded. Right. I don't, uh, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Like right. I, I don't know very many cake eater. That's what I call them. Cake eaters. I don't know too many cake eater, uh, high level shooters right now. You know what I mean? That had their whole life handed to them. Right. So, you know, they know hard work. I mean, what did, um, Oh, not chance. Um, good Lord. The other little guy, um, not not Boboff, but um, what's the other little dude's name? Jesse. That Jesse. Good Christ, I can't believe it. What yeah. Jesse do before archery? Uh, pick boogers. Yeah, he uh, he's always done archery. I right? just worked at pro shops and make strings and stuff. Yeah, he he literally Jesse Broadwater never even shot in the adult amateur division. He went straight from young adult to pro. Yeah, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing that that cracks me up, dude. Is I get parent after, and I'm sometimes not as sensitive as I might could be. That's where, why no. you and I get along so well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But, but I'll, dude, I'll have parents, and they'll come up to me, and they'll be like, you know, oh, check out my little Johnny Rockstar or my little Susie Superstar. They're, they're going to be the next Levi or Jesse or Jamie Van Ed or Paige Pierce, and they're, you know, and they're like 15. And, I'm, and, you know, and I'll go watch them shoot, or I'll look at their scores, and I'll be like, look, do you know how old Levi Morgan was when he shot his first 60x five spot round at 20 yards? He was like 10. Yeah. 20 yards. He was 10. And Jesse Broadwater shooting 560 field rounds when he's 11. It's like, okay, look, if you think your son is, or daughter is going to be the next Paige or the next Jesse or Levi, we would already know if they were. Yeah. Because they're, they're a breed apart. It, <laughs> They are absolutely right. They are on another level, and it's obvious. It was obvious a long time ago Paige Pierce was going to be something special. Her attitude, her mindset, she's, you know, 16 shooting against male archers out on the West Coast at the safari stuff. And so, you know, not everybody is the same. We're not all the same. And, uh, you know, that's just... That's just part and parcel to, you know, everybody learning what their role is going to be. And, and uh, you know, everyone wants to be special, but the fact of the matter is we're not all special. Yeah, I think with hard work, you can be. I just don't think people are interested in the hard work portion of it. If that, and well, not I, everybody right. can, a lot of guys are picked last at four square. Yeah, this guy's right. a good trier, right. right? You might be a good trier the rest of your life, but the... That's kind of what I was leading up to earlier when I was talking about the the shooting and and 
not using what your limitations are and pushing those limitations on someone else. And, I, and I'm not just, we're leaving animals out of this, right? I'm not talking about ethics. Right. I'm just talking about putting a skinny little arrow in a little circle at a certain distance. Right. If you're willing to put in the effort, you could be, but very right. few people are, are willing to put it. Same with, I mean, Pickett, bench. Well, you actually just had Ronnie Coleman on there talking. There's a very, he goes, I didn't whine. Right. I didn't. Well, right. I laughed my ass right. off because I'd seen that before. I mean, at a young age, right. I saw that and I'm like, the dude's got a point. Like, you can make all the excuses you want in the world. But in the end, generally, unless someone cheated, you just didn't work hard enough. That That's it. Right. right? That, that really is what it boils down to. And some people do by all means i'm not going to some cake eaters get a far more better advantage um than others but when you talk mm-hmm. about archery you know if you you know once you can't afford a bow and arrows yes one arrow might be a little bit better than another but once you get a good setup you're in a pretty level playing field in most of the different facets meaning you want to shoot fat shaft for 3ds yeah but people win with skinny shafts too so you're pretty on a pretty level playing field after that it's just hard work how many people are out there practicing judging yardage this day and age? Well, fucking none now that there's a known pro. Everybody's like, oh, right. I don't have to try judging anymore. <laughs> Fuck that rangefinder. <laughs> right. Yeah, there, there's literally like 70 of them. And it's the same guys and gals who've been doing it forever, and they're super good at it. And that is a, you know, that is a skill that, that they have acquired. And, I mean, that's, you know, speaking of that topic, it, it you know, it blows me away that, in today's, you know, day and age, we can sit here and everyone can talk about cancel culture and being triggered and all this other shit. But yet we also have people that are like unknown archery is stupid. It needs to all be known. Well, they have known. So how about you just go shoot known and shut your mouth about unknown? Why can't unknown still be there? Because unknown is what built this whole thing. Like if, if you're talking 3d archery, ASA, IBO, whatever it may be, unknown built that, period. That's just a fact. And so just because some folks don't want to practice judging yardage and they just want to shoot more, okay, cool, good for them. There's nothing wrong with that. But just because Danny McCarthy and Levi Morgan and these guys, you know, want to practice judging yardage and still want to shoot unknown doesn't make them douchebags either. And it just blows me away the the competitiveness between classes. But then again, as I'm saying that, I know what you're going to say. Like, have you looked at the internet with the outdoor industry these days? We will literally consume our young. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bad. And of course, I'm more old school. That I like the. I mean, probably because I had to earn it. I like the unknown, and and I also like it because it gives me advantage because I can really judge yardage well. To where you go to known, right. it just takes one of the you know, the, the blocks, uh, you know, it takes one of the cubes out of the Rubik's cube or whatever. It's like, well, you just took one of the most difficult portions of, of, of the aspect of it out of the equation. Like it's, it, the, right. the judging part. And, you know, I, I've talked about this before, like years ago to guys, I'm like 60 to 70% of it is judging yardage. Like how hard is it to hit a 10 ring on a mule deer? It's the freaking size. It's right. bigger than a softball. You know, right. and on most 3D courses, if you figure out averages and the size of it, 
If you can judge within a yard and shoot half ass, you're probably going to win almost any local shoot to a certain degree and cuz you're no, going to get no question. Lucky and drop into some 12s. Now when you start shooting, you know, uh plus points, you know, over 200 on a 20 target course, obviously there's skill in all aspects of that, but generally at a local shoot, if you go to any local shoot in the pin class, high 180s wins it to mid 190s, low 190s. Not all. I mean, don't Send me emails. Tell me how good you shot last week. I'm not saying everyone, but <laughs> those are good scores. And generally right. in the open division, right around that two, 204, 206 per round is going to win you the open division in a good area. Would you say I'm pretty close on these numbers? Yeah, well, and it, it really depends on the course. Um, I mean, back in the day when, when, when you and I were shooting 3D up in Oregon and we had Gary Curl and Cape Johnson, and Sean Lake and the Neelys and Siegfried and, you know, Jeremiah Merkel, I mean, we were murdering those courses and they were trying to make them extremely tough. But yeah, dude, once you get into the 10 up per day, generally speaking, you're going to be, you're going to be bringing home some sort of a trophy for sure. Exactly. And in the pin class, again, 90s is usually going to put you there. Occasionally you get some freak show pin shooter that'll just crush everyone. So when when you break that down, and, and this is something um, everybody's got their own spiel or shtick on this, there's not a big difference between first and third or fifth, right? There's generally, it's pretty pretty close. And so right. you know, then you, I better shoot fat shafts. So if you go through a course, a 20 target course, and you look, there's probably going to be three of your arrows that would have bumped up a score if you shot fat shafts, which right. I get this question a lot. You're not, of course, taking into consideration of wind and things like that. There's negative things about a, uh, a fat shaft, right? But there, you know, for the most part, the idea is you cut the line, right? You're a jar liquor and you're, you're, you're hanging right. in there now. Now with that, Rather than bumping arrow size up and down, how much would it be beneficial to practice judging yardage? And that's why I think a lot of guys are liking that known pro is they just skip that whole part of the equation and they're just working on shooting. You know what I mean? Or or, or whatever, because they don't. Sure. And, dude, the judging yardage takes time. I mean, you kind of, that's, if I remember correctly, that was your issue. If you weren't winning, it's because you couldn't judge yardage as well as everybody else because you could shoot just as well or better you just couldn't judge yardage as well absolutely and that's that's exactly what it was and i enjoyed it but yeah it just got to the point where i just i didn't have the time because i was working on the railroad i didn't have the time to put in to judging the yardage to feel like i was going to continue to be successful at the same rate that my shooting was getting better meaning when i when i first started my judging and my shooting sucked ass yeah. And then as I, as I started to progress, my shooting started to get way better and my judging got a little better. And then when I basically got to the point where I'm like, look, I am way out shooting my judging. So what am I going to have to do to make my judging as good as my shooting? And the answer was not judge. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> I, just, well, t- I just started you. You know, Tony Clem, you know, Tony Clem and his kid, um, Tony, I'm almost positive the year he won Reading, which was, I can't remember 2010 or, and I can't remember one in the team event or whatever, but anyway, that same year on a 3d course 
in the first 20 targets, I think he lost 11 hyperspeeds. Same oh, guy that won Reading. Damn. He, that's how bad he sucked at judging yardage. And <laughs> just to give you an idea, and Tony, I would say inebriated, can outshoot anyone on the planet. That dude can shoot with a half rack in him pretty freaking good. Um, and right. I would say Absolutely. physically, you know, Tony didn't. I know Tony well enough, you know, when I, you know, he's building, doing manual labor, building decks and crap and whatever, got kids and everything else. And it's still a pretty freaking good shooter. But I was laughing because right. he literally, I think he, I, he lost, I think 11 hyperspeeds before he, he went home. He didn't have any, he didn't have any arrows left and he won That's ready. Awesome. Yeah. So that goes to show you as right. far as how important judging is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and so I don't understand why it can't be its own discipline. The manufacturers are going to decide when it's viable. The thing that I was, the thing that I always raised an eyebrow about, and it's like you just said it. It's like, well, they have a known course, and a known course is exactly like the unknown course. So the known and the unknown are exactly the same, literally, the same, 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 same. So there's no differentiation whatsoever. And I'll tell you something right now: if Danny McCarthy or Levi Morgan Jack Wallace comes out there and has a really good day, their scores aren't very far off the known guys. Yeah, which is crazy. Right. So so now what? Now you have guys who can judge within a yard to half a yard and manage the course properly. You have guys that absolutely know the targets. And I've heard this more than anything. Guys will be like, yeah, I showed up to shoot known. I got these, you know, whatever arrows you decide. I got these big line cutters. And then you step up there and there's three 27 diameter arrows filling up the 12. So now, now you got to go for, now you got to call up or 12. Now you got to do something different because that's all fine and good in the known game until you step up there and Jesse and Chris Perkins and David Hauser of just the known game is all fine and good until you step up there when it's your turn and you're the fourth shooter and the target's full of three giant carbons and you now have to shoot for something totally different because you can't risk a glance out and that's why that's why a lot of those guys in known don't shoot big fat arrows yes they're great for lines but they are horrible for glance outs yeah i uh this that reminds me of a of a story back when they had uh cabela's tournaments so i think those stopped in 2000 maybe 2001 and this was so i was with bill Pellegrino and I, we were at, i think it was in catalina state park and uh I, w- I want to say, man, it was, I know Hopkins, it was Hopkins and, and Bill and, and that was in Hopkins heyday where he just wasn't getting touched very often. And maybe, uh, who's the guy that wins the, uh, Buckmasters all the time? Um, he's from Alabama. Well, there's, are you talking about Randy Hendricks or? Nope. Oh, Buckmasters. You're probably talking about Joseph Goza. No, older than that. Alan Connor, oh. Alan Connor. Um, oh, Alan. Okay. I think, yeah, he, you're going way back. Yeah, he might have been in the group. Anyway, I thought I was good. Right. This is when I first started shooting more, <laughs> and we were at like a 46 yard black bear, right? And it was in canyons, and I was up to shoot first. This was the pra- we were just practicing, right? This was the day before, and I fired off an arrow just out of the 12, and I was extremely excited that I didn't make myself look like a jackass. And this is kind of like right. showing up to college right out of high school thinking you're really good and then like, shit, I think I'm going to have to gain weight to play punter. I think <laughs> out of the six people in the group, I was the only one out of the 12. Um, and I am literally right. was walking to the target thinking, fuck, 
I am out of my league and I am not nearly as good as I thought I was. This is ridiculous. And, you know, I was like, oh, I think it was 46 and a half. And I'm like, did did you throw a half in there? Are you shitting me? I'm like, I'm happy if I'm plus or minus a couple. And it was just amazing (laughs) at what those guys, their ability, what they could do and and the work they put into it. And, again, I don't think people realize, um, especially on the yardage portion of it, but shooting and yardage, the effort these guys are putting in, you know, to shooting, that is all they do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no no doubt. And I think social media has contributed to a lot of it. Let's just be honest here. It's easy for it's easy for Aaron Snyder to, you know, go out and do something on film like when you uh when you shot that goat off that big giant rock precipice and, you know, Luke was filming it and you guys put up the little snippets and those were great. Or Levi Morgan putting up a selfie with a great target or whoever, whatever. These are all snapshots of successful moments. But there's thousands of unsuccessful moments that were training to lead up to that moment. And I think with social media, all people see now, you know, like, look, you and me, Levi, sometimes, you know, we'll post stupid shit we do as well. You know, big misses or, you know, bonehead moves. We'll post those too because we don't take ourselves too you know, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously that we can't make fun of ourselves first because like we surround ourselves with people that we better make fun of ourselves first because we sure as shit know our friends are gonna. So long as we get the crack in first, that's all that matters. But I think social media has really led to it where all, all people get nowadays for the most part are the successful snapshots. And they think that that's the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, and a good example, I just did a a podcast with a guy, um, the Stickbow Chronicles dude. He he has a traditional podcast about the – because I shot that uh, that Ram um, at, like, I don't know. I, I said four yards. I think I overjudged that. We went down there and looked at it. I think it was more like six feet. It was close. Um, nice. I missed 11 times in three days before I got to that point. Now, right. <laughs> probably 10 to 12 miles a day – wandering across the panhandle of North Texas, blowing out giant sheep, right? I, I wanted to shoot a giant sheep. I wanted to make sure people understood that because a couple of the other hunters that came after me were like, Scott was telling them the stories, right? I wasn't there. I'd come back home and work. They're like, he missed? And Scott was like, what do you mean he missed? Hell yes, he misses. He didn't hit everything he aims <laughs> at. He's like, because I, right. missed, I missed 185-inch-plus whitetail with, you know, with Scott. And, uh the the reality i mean you're no one's per, i mean if somebody's being portrayed as perfect all the time that's definitely a lie like i literally uh, you know on shots misjudged shot under shot over shot branches between me and the animal wind blew my arrow wide once one time i plucked a string shit happens i think the moral of the story is if you stick with it obviously i ended up killing exactly what i was looking for which was a giant ancient ram spot and stock but to think I just strolled in, put on my Frodo Baggins cloak, made a throw and hid, fuck, now I got my ass beat like a rented mule, and then I got it right. done. And you're right, social media, you just see the highlights. Of course, I'm not going to post too many photos in the dirt because people aren't going to explain other than hashtag trad flag and tell the story. I'll right. tell it later. But, yeah, right. you don't just walk into that shit. There's a lot of work involved in it. <laughs> Trad flag. That's hilarious. Um, so because of my shoulder injury, I was not able to continue my trad adventures 
I'll pick them back up once I heal. But am I to assume that a trad flag is when you shoot and miss and your arrow's just sticking up out of the dirt? Yes, and I did not coin that. Um, I've made it a bit more famous, but uh, Broderick, we were in Alabama, and he sent a text out, how you guys doing? Frank, question mark, and then he put Snyder, how many trad flags you got out in that field? And I laughed uncontrollably because there are lots of trad flags in traditional archery, whether you want to admit it or not. And I practice more than any human I know, and I do everything I possibly can to be as successful as I can be. And I have a fair amount of ice in my veins, and I do not choke with animals in front of me. And I still missed 11 fucking times. And (laughs) Scott was like, dude, what's going on? I'm like, man, I can't be... I can't be mad about my shots. I'm making good shots, dude. It is just not panning out. And I mean, that's when I shot, I I shot one, I hit a branch, you know, four or five, six yards in front of me, pretty much pinwheeled the the branch. And I knew I was going to be close. Can't be mad at that. The the yardage, I didn't have time to to judge and the terrain was crazy. And the first time I shot over it, then I shot under it. The boat's so quiet. They don't know what's going on. They're just circling around trying to figure out what kind of birds dive bombing them shot over it again, and then shot under it. And at that point, I'm like, obviously, I need to slow my roll and gather my shit because things are not working out And as, the, as all the rams are bounding off. And it's right. I can't be mad. I made good shots. I made good stocks. You, you don't want to get down on yourself, or, or you will. But it certainly was no gimme. I mean, it was an ass whooping. And, and uh, the one guy that was with me was like, dude, I learned so much from watching you. He's like, the way you stalk, when you move, how fast. He said... I think the most important thing I thing I learned from you is the fact that it is okay to miss, and then you need to not let that get in your head. Which, I mean, that's right. good. He saw that and learned that. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's you know, there's millions of memes out there from Michael Jordan to all kinds of people that talk about you know how many times they failed versus how many times they succeeded. But that's all that for the most part. That's all people see nowadays is the success side of it. I mean. If you saw on Levi Morgan's uh, social media the other day, he put up a picture of him, or Sam, anyway, someone took a picture of him taking a picture of this big giant frame with like 30 gold belt buckles in there. And those are all gold belt buckles from Shooters of the Year and a bunch of different events that give out gold belt, you know, the Montana black gold style. Those things are dope, but Levi... Levi literally has enough to make a goddamn chandelier out of him, but instead he made a big picture frame, which is cool. And it's like, you know, people were like, oh, you know, getting all of those and accumulate. And for Levi, those represent something different than they might to you and me. And just like your, some of your hunts might represent something a little bit different than for someone else. And like you said, you know, no one's perfect. Everybody fails why you miss those shots who knows Uh, literally who knows and you know you just you just got to keep your head down and you got to keep going after it and for you you're like all right well this isn't working i need to sneak up to seven inches and then i'll be good well i mean honestly that's there's some fucking truth to that like you literally you don't get the you don't get the to you know I think this turkey's a little out of my range at a 3D course. I'm going to go ahead and scoot forward. They don't let you do that. But hunting it's all up right. to you and so I I literally there was a lot of jokes going around. You know, Amy was with us and 
I'm like, honey, we got to fill Scott's truck up a couple times. And she's like, why? I'm like, because he literally has probably run out of gas getting my ass so many times of going on some stock a mile and a half away. And then three hours later, can you come get me? And (laughs) did you get one? No. (laughs) No, I did not. So, you know, but you can choose, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's all ability and hard work. And by no means am I, you know, whatever, patting myself on the shoulder, breaking my arm, doing so. I just knew the shots weren't going my way. And I told Amy, I was like, I'm just, I got to get closer. I mean, this shit is just not working out. And she's like, right. you know, we didn't have a lot of time left. And I, cause I was guiding guys. And so I, and gals, um, I knew that eventually if I was patient enough, I was going to get myself in a situation where I had the potential to get as literally feet away. And when they let, when Scott, he let me out of the truck, totally on to- totally different area, different sheep. We found some other sheep and I just, I said, Scott, go drive by them and hopefully they'll push off the field into the cliffs and I'll circle around. And that's exactly what we did. I, I literally ran about as much as I cared to run four or 500 yards to get in front of them. And it was funny too, cause it's cold. I'm trying to tuck my bow in my armpit, keep my hands in my hand muff maintain some form of situational awareness so I'm not just blowing sheep out. Some fat dude run across the hill, they're going to see you and get in these canyons. Right. I, I, I spotted a couple ewes, dropped below and thought, this is the most realistic possible place for these rams to come. It's out of the wind, and I got lucky, and that is exactly where they – and I had 50 uh, rams and ewes feed by me before I ended up the, – the, the big ones were in the tail end before I ended up shooting that one I – uh, in, ended up shooting and it was it was close like I mean and I was sitting if you can imagine knees and shins on the ground toes you know pointed away my butt is on the heels of my shoes to try to have the low slow profile in this bush and uh, right. there was literally a larger ram than I shot two feet from me eating at the base of the cedar tree like literally so close I'm like he's got to hear my heart beating and in my mind, I'm thinking, please don't don't blow out. Just please, just stay there. Don't screw this up. Because I thought, man, he's gonna end up biting my knee. He was so close. Right. And Damn. then one, when the one came over, I saw him, and I was like, yeah, he looks 11, 12 years old. He fed by me, and I I shot him. I mean, realistically, it was about three steps, so eight feet, nine feet. It was close when we came back wow. down there. And it, what was funny is, well, it wasn't that funny then. I didn't know which one was what because they all ran in different directions. And I'm like, right. I have no clue where this ram just went. And I, not to whatever, pat John Dudley on the back, he pestered me to shoot nocturnals. I am glad right. I did because those things are super handy. I've never shot lighted knocks. Well, I could oh, see gotcha. where the arrow hit and I'm like, well, that looked pretty freaking good to me. I think I got him, you know? Well, Jesus, they all ran straight up a cliff, zigzagging, and I'm like, holy shit, maybe I made that up. Maybe that shot was not as good as I thought. I ended up actually smelling it. I circled downwind because they stink so bad and, and smelled it and walked in from the smell. So wow. Pretty wild. Odd ads, odd, ads do, odd ads do not smell good. No, no. They, I, smell, I was telling Scott, he didn't know what I, I said. They smelled like Bodussi. He didn't know what that was. And I was like, well, they don't, <laughs> they don't smell good. Um but you, they literally smell like a skunk almost. But um, w- when I got down to it, I literally was looking at it. I was like, I saw the luminoc glowing through the trees, and I was like, or the nocturnal glowing through the trees, and I was like, 
holy shit, that ram is bigger than I thought. And uh, yeah, it is whatever. It ended up working out, so it was pr- pretty cool. Oh, that's badass, man. That was a great ram. It was cool to see Amy get one as well, man. That was badass. Oh yeah, yeah. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to talk too much about that because I'm going to have her on. But it was hilarious because it was her first spot in stock, and my, and it was my buddy John, his first time hunting with me, and they were both like, "You are a sight to behold when there is blood in the water. I, you turn into a different <laughs> human." And I was very nice to Amy, but I was like literally very direct. I'm like, look at me, look at my eyes. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, this is what's going to happen. Repeat it back to me. She's repeated back to me. I'm like, okay, it is important that you, that you understand what I just said. Let's go. And I pulled the arrow out of her. I didn't want her to run with the arrow in the in the bow. I didn't want her to fall. So I pulled the arrow out. Right. And I took off running. I, I looked back. I'm like, let's go. And she, <laughs> so anyway, we got to the cliff edges and we're about 20 yards from the cliff edges. I'm like, look, load the arrow they're going to be right here. And she's like, how close? I'm like, I'm not a wizard. I don't know exactly how close, but they're going to be right below us. So be ready. And anyway, and so that was, she was, it was pretty cool to see her. That was her first spot in stock animal. And on an owl dad was pretty, I was, I was very proud of her. It was pretty cool. Absolutely, man. That'll be a good one to listen to for sure. She is super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool. not a wizard. That's fantastic. Right on, man. What else? What else you got planned for the day? Man, a lot. In fact, I should probably hop off of this thing. I got people walking by the the studio here and uh, wanting to talk to me. I got a couple meetings I got to go to. I've got some arrows to fletch up for my uh, for my tournament bow. I still got to go work out, and uh, I think anyway, I'm going to book my tickets for the uh, the tournaments. I'm just trying to go to two or three IBOs and one ASA. I'm going to try to book the tournaments for those today. Nice one. Well, don't. Don't forget, you're loading up the truck and driving over to to uh, do a Kafaru booth and shoot Redding. Redding. So make yeah. sure you keep that on. Make sure you keep that on your list. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna keep sitting here in Prescott Valley, Arizona. I'm working on a new form of of physical therapy for my sh- shoulder. It's called it's called therapy, <laughs> where you just stare at it and hope it gets better. <laughs> well, good luck with Seems that. Seems to be working. Yeah, it seems to be working pretty good so far. I'll, I'll actually probably start actual physical therapy probably next week, but uh, so far so good, man. But I appreciate you having me on Cast today, brother. Anytime you ever need anything, just holler back at your boy. All right, man, I appreciate it. Take it easy. All right, buddy.